Next on Contemplate. God's just pointing out that in the church, it's about his power and not our power. He chose us that he might be glorified through us, that those who look at us and want to put us down and say that we're not as smart, we're not as tough, we're not as, as good looking, we're not as whatever, that what God's going to do is say, oh, really? Well, watch what I'm going to do. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington. And this is another Contemplate podcast. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Thanks for listening to part three in our series, Contentment in Christ. Have you ever felt not good enough, like you just didn't measure up? I think we all have, and maybe you do right now. Well, as we learn about the life of a young man named Timothy, we'll find that God sees things a lot differently. Please get out your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 16, and let's begin today's podcast recorded live at Acts Church. Here's Pastor David. A couple questions. Have you ever felt that your circumstances have kept you from being affected? That is to say, maybe the way that other people viewed your circumstances or the way that other people told you what your circumstances meant for what you could do, whatever that happens to be, right? Um, Your status as a young person or as an older person, right? As a person with a disability um, or as a person with a history that's a little shady or, or, or whatever it is, right? You have some circumstance and because of that circumstance, there are doors that you feel are closed to you or people have told you that there are doors that are closed to you because of your circumstances. We're gonna meet a person today in scripture um, and we're going to find out about this guy. He's a young man. He's a very young man. And because of his youth, there were those who looked down on him, right? Like any circumstance that you might look down on somebody for. And we're going to talk about how God looks at it, whether he looks at your circumstance or whether he looks at your heart. So I want you to be thinking about that as we walk through the passage today. We are in chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start in verse 1. Then he, we're talking about Paul here, uh, came to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. Okay, now we meet this new person named Timothy. Timothy is from this region, so we have to assume that Timothy probably witnessed or at least heard about all that stuff that happened on the first missionary journey, that he had become a believer either during that missionary journey or shortly thereafter, okay? And we hear that he had a mother who was a believer. We know that he had a mother and a grandmother who were believers. Timothy, uh, Timothy's mother was Jewish, but his father was Greek. He's a Gentile, right? So this is, this is an illegal marriage according to Jewish custom, right? You can't marry a Gentile. And so uh, it would have been, according to the customs of the Jews, it would have been illegal, but it was not necessarily uncommon to see Gentile Jew marriages out in these countries that were outside of Judea, where the Jews had been dispersed in some of these countries. You did see, not uncommonly, Gentile Jew marriages. But because the marriage was illegal, and because the Jewish line lineage in that case, an illegal marriage goes through the mother, and because Timothy's mother was Jewish, the Jews would have considered Timothy Jewish. They would have considered him to have Jewish heritage, okay? Um, So it's kind of important as we walk through this that that happened. Let's look at the next verse here, verse 2. It says, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. 
Um, this is, it's just a statement. Uh, it's an interesting one because we know from Scripture that Timothy was a very young man. And so the fact that these believers, these are the brethren, these are the believers in these cities, already knew who this guy was and already spoke well of him. He had already developed a reputation in the time between Paul getting there the first time and Paul coming back this time. This guy had already built himself up even at such a young age is pretty neat, right? Uh, it's a pretty big deal. So let's, let's look at 16.3. It says, Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. All right. First, Paul wants Timothy to join him and Silas on the missionary journey. Uh, that's high praise. That's high praise for Timothy because as we know, we know what happened with Mark, who was a young guy, right? Took off. Um, this is difficult work with lots of travel, danger, People stone you and beat you and do things like that. So to, so to say, this young guy is ready for this is very high praise uh, that Paul thought Timothy was ready, okay? Uh, and then we have this description of Paul circumcising Timothy himself. Seriously, we have to ask ourselves after what just happened in, in chapter 15, why is Paul circumcising Timothy? He just made a big deal about not circumcising, right? Um, but here's the deal. We need to understand that Paul although he advocated against circumcision as a means to salvation, didn't think circumcision was one thing or another thing as far as importance. And so the reason that he chose to circumcise Timothy wasn't for salvation or to make him closer to God or anything. It was strategy. It was pure missionary strategy, okay? Paul understood completely that circumcision had nothing to do with faith in Christ. Uh, but he knew that in order to bring the good news to the Jewish folks in this area, he would have to circumcise Timothy because they would be put off by him. They would think that he was an apostate, okay? They would think that he was rebellious against his Jewish heritage if he wasn't circumcised. As Paul's going and trying to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, it's going to be a stumbling block for them. They aren't going to be able to get past the fact that sitting here in their synagogue that Paul's just come in is this Jewish man who's uncircumcised. How they would know that, I don't know, okay? Don't know if they're checking at the door. I don't know how that worked. Um, but everybody knew this guy's dad was Greek. He was a Gentile. And obviously, because he was uncircumcised, Timothy did not grow up right, with a normal Jewish heritage. That's obvious. And so Paul realized, hey, um, I'm going to get further with the gospel message if Timothy is a circumcised Jew. This is an issue of cultural relevance. This is important, okay? We should not let our cultural differences get in the way of our ability to communicate truth to someone. We should not allow our freedoms in Christ. We should not allow our freedoms to do things that are neither bad nor good to get in the way if there would be something that would keep someone from being able to hear the message because they're so offended by your cultural impropriety. So in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about this, okay? Verses 19 through 23, it says this, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. 
And to the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. That I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it with you. There are times and places, Paul makes this clear, this is, this is the part that's prescriptive, okay? The part that's prescriptive. There are times and places where you may have to do something or not do something in order to get a hearing for the truth of the gospel. It does not mean that the thing that you're doing or not doing is an obligation from scripture. These are not issues of what's right and what's wrong. As I said, circumcision's not one thing or the other. Who cares? It has nothing to do with your faith, right? Um, but made Timothy relevant to the Jews that they were trying to reach, okay? So there were, there were churches where if I was asked to preach there, I would wear a suit and tie. I would wear a suit and tie at those places. Uh, not because I think a pastor needs to wear a suit and tie, obviously. I obviously don't think that. Those of you who know me, I don't think that that's necessary. I'm more comfortable um, not in a suit and tie. I wore one as an attorney for a long time, and I'm over that, all right? But there are churches where if I was asked to preach, I would wear a suit and tie. And the reason that I would wear a suit and tie is because if I did not wear a suit and tie, that people would be distracted or offended. And it would get in the way of what I was there to do, which is to preach the word of God and make much of the name of Jesus Christ. Now, if I'm trying to preach the word of God and make much of the name of Jesus Christ, and you can't hear me because you're so offended or distracted by the fact that I've slammed into your cultural mores, then I've failed somewhere. Then what I've done at that point is I've let myself get in the way of the message. We don't ever want to do that. That's, that's selfishness. It's not servanthood. So if I want to make more of Christ, I have to make less of me sometimes. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I am by no means saying give up all your liberties and all your freedoms for everybody who's got any particular scruple about anything. That's That's silly. There's also a time for you to say, no, no, this is my freedom in Christ, so that you can teach others that they also have freedom in Christ. There's a place for both. But in this case, we're talking about missionary work. You're walking into a place. When missionaries go out to other cultures, they learn all kinds of things about those cultures because you can inadvertently step on a landmine culturally. You can inadvertently do something that's very offensive that we would never think was offensive. Showing someone the bottom of your foot in some cultures or, or eating with your left hand or whatever it is, you would never think anything about it, but there it's a big deal. We make sure that we, I'm allowed to eat with my left hand, right? But if I'm in certain places, I wouldn't do so because if I did so, I'm offending people and I can't get the gospel. That's what Paul is doing here, okay? And so Timothy is, in this case, submitting himself to the will of Christ, and something that's much more serious than just putting a suit on, okay? Um, he's, he's willing to go pretty far, right? I think I'd just be like, I think I'll sit this missionary trip out, you know? Let's wait until this you don't need to be circumcised thing gets more traction. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, this is what he did, okay? He said, okay, okay, which shows you something about the character of Timothy, right? Shows you something about his character. Uh, he didn't do it because the scriptures commanded him to do it. He did it out of love for who? For Christ and for those that Christ had called him to serve. It was an act of love, okay? That is prescriptive. There's a time and a place where you may be called to do things, sometimes maybe even very uncomfortable things, according to this passage, 
okay, in order to be effective for the kingdom of God. All right, so what you have to ask yourself about this, if this ever comes up in your life, is do you love those who need Jesus enough to give up some of your freedoms if it will make it easier to speak the truth of Jesus Christ to them? Now, I'm not saying do anything that makes you go into sin. I'm talking about things that are of no importance one way or the other. Are you willing to do that? Let's look at the next verse. Verse 4, it says, And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. Well, you remember this, for those of you who were here last week. This was this letter that went out to the churches saying, among other things, you don't have to get circumcised and follow the law of Moses in order to be saved. You are saved, what? By grace, through faith. That's it. That's how you're saved. You don't need anything else. And they gave some instructions for essentially how to keep yourself pure from idolatry and from what the pagans were doing. Right? Things like don't eat things that are strangled in blood and all that stuff, right? And then, of course, sexual morality, which is very prevalent. Stay away from those things. So they're, they're reading this letter to these other folks. Um, and Silas, of course, was, was a leader there uh, in the church in Jerusalem, so he would have had um, some authority. These, these churches would have looked to the church at Jerusalem as where the church started as, a, as having authority. They were, that's where the apostles were and so on. So what happens as they go and they bring this news? It says in verse 5, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So, what is the result of Paul and Silas's visit and the news they brought from the apostles and elders of Jerusalem? The churches were encouraged, and they're increasing in number daily. This news that we read about last week, this news that the Jews who are constantly pushing this, no, no, it's, it's faith in Christ and, and a whole list of things, right? This was probably stifling the growth of the church. So as they come and they bring this news, now the church is starting to increase daily. Churches are growing, they're growing, they're growing as they get this good news, right? The Holy Spirit is blessing the ministry, even though Paul, just maybe a couple years ago, got stoned in Lystra, in the very same city. Now he gets to come back and see what? That it was worth it. I don't know if he felt like it was worth it, but it was worth it, right? It would have been encouragement to him to see what God had done with his faithfulness. Now, I want to spend at least a few minutes talking about Timothy. Um, Timothy is a young person, like some of you. Um, Young people are not always treated like they have something valuable to offer when it comes to important things. I think that older people can be guilty sometimes of treating younger people like they can't do anything. And so there's a circumstance there that sometimes operates to make younger people feel like they don't have value or they can't be effective. And certainly, this is something that Timothy probably would have had to deal with, okay? Older people are sometimes treated like they don't have much valuable to offer when it comes to important things. If you don't believe me about that, try to get a, a real, a serious good job after you turn 50. It's, it's difficult, for most people, it's difficult. A lot of people do not. I mean, to think that age discrimination doesn't happen is just silly. It does. Of course it does. And so people on both sides of the age, age spectrum tend to be treated sometimes like they just don't have as much valuable to offer. People with disabilities 
are sometimes treated like they don't have anything valuable to offer when it comes to important things. People who struggle financially, people who have gone through difficulties in their life, people who have failed and made mistakes, all of these people, maybe you have a criminal record, maybe something's happened in the past, maybe you had a sin issue, uh, maybe you've been divorced a couple times, maybe you've whatever, and people look at you like, well, that ship sail. But here's the deal that's important here, and we can see this in the life of Timothy. That's not how God works. He's not sitting here looking at your circumstances and saying, well, because of this or because of that, you can't go on to do great things. You can't go on to be useful, to be effective, to be efficient, to be all those things. That's not how he does it. He looks at your heart, your submission to him, your love for him. And if you are submitted to him in love with Jesus Christ and your heart is dedicated to him, he will do great things with you that will ring out through eternity. He will, without a doubt, without a doubt. Let's look at a passage. This is in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, this is starting at verse 18. I'm going to read all the way through verse 31 because I want you to have context for the passage, okay? It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God, has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories let him glory in the Lord. Now, that's a lot. I'm not going to break down everything in this passage. It's a couple things, though. Something he told us about ourselves. Not many of us are wise or mighty or noble according to the flesh in the world. So if you are looking for validation from the world to tell you that you're wise and mighty and noble, that you're the best, that you're good, that you're whatever, and you look to the world for that, God's already told you that if you're here, Chances are, you're not according to them. But see, the world standard isn't God's standard. See, God is strong in our weakness. God's strong in our weakness. And guess what? Not many, period, are strong and mighty and noble and whatever. Nobody has anything to glory in in themselves on this earth. God's just pointing out that in the church, it's about his power and not 
our power. He chose us that he might be glorified through us, that those who look at us and want to put us down and say that we're not as smart, we're not as tough, we're not as, as good looking, we're not as whatever, that what God's going to do is say, oh, really? Well, watch what I'm going to do. Watch what I'm going to do with this person. And so, people may discriminate against you in this way or that way. People may make you feel like you're not up to snuff. Like you can't be effective. You're to this or you're to that or you're not enough this or you're not enough that or you don't measure up. But that's not how God looks at it. God says, yes, according to their standard that they've set up, which is not my standard, they may be able to say that you don't measure up or you're not good enough. But guess what? I'm the one who's going to come in and and throw you way past that standard and give you so much more and so much more and so much more of God. So for more than a decade, Timothy would be an incredibly effective minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ as, as a partner with Paul. He, he does a lot of things. I'm going I'm to list some of them for you, okay? This is what this young guy, Timothy, who trusted Christ, who had a heart that was willing to get circumcised so that he could go preach the gospel to some folks, even at this young age, who other people would have looked at and not thought he was worthwhile. This is some of the things he did. He helps Paul evangelize and bring the truth of Christ to Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, and Ephesus. He's named as a co-writer of the books of 2 Corinthians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, Colossians, and Philemon. And he has two books of the Bible that are named for him because there were letters from Paul to him. Um, That's more than's on my resume right now. Um, And probably more than it's on any of our resume. Not bad for a snot-nosed punk kid. Paul had to even encourage Timothy not to let others despise him and discriminate against him because of his youth. In 1 Timothy 4.12, this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, this first letter to him, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Okay. The loudest voices against looking at people's circumstances and judging them based on it whether that be ageism, racism, sexism, whatever it is, any of these isms, the loudest voices should be ours. The loudest voices should be ours. Why? We're the only ones who have a standard that actually tells us that this is wrong. There's no standard in evolution. In fact, if you think about it, the evolutionary standard is the weak should go so that the strong can survive. The actual evolutionary ethic would be, oh, if someone's weak, according to the world, let's get rid of them, right? That's their only standard. We're the only ones who have a standard. Uh, Believers in Jesus Christ are the only ones who have a true standard that we can anchor to that's actually reasonable and makes sense that says that we should not despise other people. We should not discriminate against other people. We're the only ones who have that standard. And so whether you are one who's discriminated against or whether you never deal with that, either way, your call in Jesus Christ is to support, resource, and build up folks like Timothy, folks like you could probably fill in the blank, the people in your own life, at your own job, at your school, in the world. We support the oppressed, the brokenhearted. We support, we're all about redemption, restoration, that's who we are as believers in Jesus Christ because that's what he's done for us. So don't lose that. It's never too early, listen young people, 
It's never too early to be effective for the kingdom of God. Now, our older folks, it's never too late to be effective for the kingdom of God. And for those who struggle with shame and guilt, you are never too broken to be effective for the kingdom of God. All of the things the world tries to tell you are in your way to being respected and loved. All the things the world tries to tell you are in your way to being effective. God says, do not let them despise you for those things. Oh, you've got a disability. Oh, you're not this enough. You're not that enough. All those things, God says, do not let them despise you for those things, but instead do what? Be an example. Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. It's the instruction Paul gives to Timothy. That's the instruction God gives to you and to me. That no matter what anybody says, that in God's economy, we're his. And he's going to do great things with us. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington. And this is Contemplate. Wasn't that a great lesson? We never need to feel inferior or like we don't measure up as we place our trust and hope in Christ. I hope that's an encouragement to you and maybe something you can share with someone else today, too. And once again, here's Pastor David. Thanks, Ron. If you're looking for a church home, let me invite you to check out Axe Church in Camas, Washington. We're a real family that loves Jesus and each other. Come see us this Sunday. Get directions and all the info you need at axcamus.org. Again, that's axcamus with a C, axcamus.org. Or call 360-885-9000. That's 360-885-9000. Well, that's it for today. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Thanks for being here. I do hope you'll come see us this Sunday and that you'll click on the next podcast for more with our teacher, Pastor David Robinson, here on Contemplate. Contemplate.